you get out of the one that would have been the most difficult if, in fact, Josh Allen is not playing. Well, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that's the easiest it gets in 2022. Um, all right. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings play host to the – or no, they travel to Buffalo to face the Bills and possibly Case Keenum and Stephon Diggs uh, at Ralph Wilson Stadium down there. So we're going to talk about a potential – Another backup quarterback that the Vikings are going to face here, the fourth one. Ben, you did the counting stats for us here. Mm -hmm. This is the fourth time that they're going to be facing a guy who's number two on the depth chart. Yes, or at least was number two on the depth chart at the beginning of the year. Yes, Vikings Twitter, we know that Andy Dalton has been the starter. We know that Taylor Heineke is a starter now, in part because the starting quarterbacks for both of those teams aren't good enough, at least in the case of probably Jameis Winston, to get the job back. Carson Wentz is still hurt. Uh, but they did not have to face Tua Tagovailoa in Miami, and they may not be fe- facing Josh Allen on Sunday at whatever we call the thing now, New Era Field or Highmark Stadium or a placeholder for whatever they're going to build. Bitcoin. In the future. It's not Bitcoin, but there's yeah, a Bitcoin there, arena somewhere now. There's a crypto. Isn't yeah. it Staples Center? Like uh, yeah, crypto.com yeah. yeah. arena or something? Yeah, that's, that's just terrible. really rolls off the tongue. I want, I want my arenas named after office supplies, not – Cryptocurrencies. Wouldn't mind it. Wouldn't kill me. But Take me you know back what? to the 1990s. 25 years from now, it'll all be named after weird stuff, even even weirder stuff. Mike, the Bills lost with Josh Allen starting against the Jets anyway, so maybe Case Keenum's going to lift this team uh, like he did the 2017 Vikings. Yeah, um, maybe, but I still think if you're the Vikings, even as bad as Josh Allen's played these last two weeks, really, like he threw some bad interceptions the game before – this I can't remember who did they play before the before the Jets game. I can't remember who they played in that game, but just happened to be watching that game and there was like two, they had to escape two, against somebody. Two late interceptions where he they really could have like put the game away and he threw some just hideous interceptions. But you you would certainly rather be facing Case the Keenum. Packers. Yes, the Packers. Um you would certainly rather be facing um Case Keenum than than Josh Allen. I mean it's just it's just obvious. And if it's if this is in fact the fourth, and I think to Ben's point Two of those um, were just bad quarterback situations regardless. Like even if they played Jameis Winston or um, Carson Wentz, I think they have a pretty good chance of winning those games. But escaping Miami without having to play, without having to play against Tua, uh, they haven't lost when he's in the lineup this year, have they? I don't believe they have. And now Josh Allen, who one of the probably three best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, if he can't play or if he's playing but diminished in some way because his elbow his throwing elbow is bothering him um regardless they're going to get a, another break and it, you know weirdly like we we talked like very early in the season about how this year kind of had like shades of 2017 this is this is augmenting that um and you know and they go against the the guys now Keenum and, and Diggs who were you know part of that part of that team the I got asked this morning on Buffalo radio uh what Keenum did really well that season that he could carry over and I basically said something to the effect of have a horseshoe Mike Zimmer used different words yes <laughs> he used horseshoe sometimes well though. oh the, that was the thing that you were yes, Doing yes. Sam Cassell, oh, yeah yes. that's right yes he said case he the horseshoe surgically implanted uh was one of the thing Mike Zimmer talked about a horseshoe he also talked about how case Keenum was well endowed during that season. Now, it all is of the same thing, I guess, on the football field in the sense that he threw a lot of passes that season where you said, 
50-50 balls. Looks like he's going to get Or 30-70 balls. Yes. He he was trusting his receivers. He was perhaps trusting (laughs) whatever it was that led him to do that. But he threw up a lot of passes that did not get intercepted and his receivers came down with. So I suppose you could say give your receivers a chance, and we've seen Cousins doing a little bit more of that, and he'll probably do that on Sunday. But the other thing I remember he did, he got his pressure to sack rates that year were awfully impressive. He got pressured quite a bit and was able to duck out of a lot of sacks because he was able to run around. Is he still able to do that to the same degree five years later? I think that's a fair question. I haven't watched him enough to know the answer to that completely, and he hasn't played very much. Yeah, he hasn't. He's not been great. Den- Denver paid him all that money yeah. uh, to come in. wasn't great for them, and I think he's had a spot starter too for uh, Cleveland maybe yeah. and, and maybe even appeared once for Buffalo last year, if I remember correctly. And it hasn't gone precisely well for him. But you talk about the pressure to sack ratio. I remember Keenum ducking under Captain Munderland, who yes. at the time was a Panthers defensive back, went back to Carolina after his time in Minnesota. And he's all of five foot nine. And yes. Keenum still found a way on a slot blitz to duck under Munderland. Um, that was just the kind of play where you, I think I just remember calling it a roller coaster often. You just kind of had to ride the lightning with Case Keenum. And he made some plays with his feet that year, not just scrambling or not just like avoiding pressure. I feel like he like. He ran for yards at opportune times. Like he just, he just had a knack for making plays that year. Whether that was luck, whether that was like confidence, just being on this, being on a roll. And it was really was it was just a career year, and we knew that was going to be the case. And that's that was it. He has started twenty six games since then. I think including facing the Vikings in twenty nineteen, uh, when he was with Washington. In those games, he is nine and seventeen as the starter. So. Uh, yes, very much a career year for Keenum in 2017, and one the Vikings ultimately thought he could not replicate. That's a lot of the reason they did not sign him after that year. Mike Zimmer was never terribly fond of him in the first place, but no, he was not. But yeah, their their hunch that he wasn't going to do that again has largely been correct. Now, is he capable of winning a game with that offense on a Sunday? I think he probably is. Yeah, it's it's worth pointing worth pointing out. This is his best team he's had around him since the 2017 Vikings, certainly in a game he's going to be starting. If if we're presuming he's starting a game in which the Bills come out on Wednesday of this week, Sean McDermott, their head coach, and saying that uh, Josh Allen is day to day, and we'll see if he plays against the Vikings, and saying we have belief in Case Keenum. It just sounds like Case Keenum is going to be making this start, and that they're not going to push Josh Allen through an elbow injury, but. Um, we'll have to see, obviously, how that plays out throughout the week. That'll determine who is actually starting for Buffalo. But they're a very talented team. They have the number one scoring defense in the league. Only one team, the Dolphins, have scored more than 20 points on them. Um, Von Miller has seven sacks and has been doing very, very well for that defense. Um, and obviously, the offense with Stefan Diggs is going to be the main storyline for Vikings fans. That trade in March of 2020, Ben, you're writing about it this week and just all yeah, that, we might have something to say about all it. All that led up to it and all that's happened since. It's about as win-win as you could possibly get. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, they trade Stefan Diggs, who wanted out of here in, well, it was the same day they, they signed Cousins. Because they signed Cousins, Diggs goes on Twitter and tweets, it's time for a fresh start after the whole offseason of cryptic stuff. And then they move him to Buffalo for a package of picks, including their first-round pick, which then they use on Justin Jefferson after the Eagles pass on Jefferson to take Jalen Rager, uh, much to the delight of Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer, 
who picked Justin Jefferson. Now, of course, both of those guys are in Minnesota. But yeah, it, it's I think the second and third in the league in receiving yards right now. I remember thinking when they did that deal that it was almost a, okay. Diggs, you want to get traded out of here? Fine, Buffalo. Yeah, because Buffalo was Siberia. not Buffalo was not highly regarded at that moment. No, Josh Allen was still kind of figuring things out. They hadn't been this type of a team, but they make that deal. They kind of make Diggs the centerpiece of the offense, which he wanted to be, and they've just kept going from there. Yeah, 2019 was not a good year for Josh Allen. I remember when that deal was made thinking, like, the Vikings just kicked him to no man's land. Like, I was thinking Cleveland-level – uh, you know, doldrums on offense. And here it turns out to be one of the best, if not the best quarterback wide receiver pairing in the NFL. And the Vikings have an, probably one of the only arguments to that with Kirk and Justin right now, uh, the way that they've connected. Only three receivers have more yardage than Stefan Diggs since he was traded out there. One of them is Justin Jefferson. The other two are Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill. So uh, we're going to have, much like that Miami game, so much talent on offense on these two sides. It's just a matter of how much are the Bills going to get out of it and how much are we going to be able to learn about the Vikings in this game. Um, but you know Stephon Diggs, Mike. We've seen it so many times. He's going to come with something extra regardless of who's a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and especially this is the first time they've played him since the trade, obviously, since they only play him every four years. Um, so this, you know, I'm sure he's got a little something. He, he's just that kind of person. He's, he was, I always enjoyed him. I liked him. Yeah. But he, he's definitely got that kind of personality where you could imagine him having he's, he's always a little extra uh in this game he's going to be a little extra extra in terms of just um the attitude the aggression the i'm sure he'll mix it up with some corners i don't know if anybody's still here that would have been here when he was here but the yeah harrison smith like I mean, most of the most of the defensive back room is turned over since just those last two years but he's and, and you know and the person you know and the front office the coaching staff that's all new too so maybe maybe it was still Mike Zimmer in that maybe it would still be different but you know Kirk Cousins is to here there's still a lot of his former teammates here this will this will be a big game for for Stefan Diggs and I imagine he will um, have the emotion to match it I think that's probably right and this game has a lot of subplots you have Diggs you have Keenum you have the brothers Cook Dalvin for the Vikings James for the Bills you have former Vikings head coach Leslie Frazier as the defensive coordinator so a lot of connections between two teams that don't play very often and then, of course the last time they played the Vikings were big favorites at home and they get beat by the Bills in 2018 in a game that looked like it was kind of a, a harbinger of, of bad things to come and it, it certainly ended up being that way I'm trying to think of the last time they beat the Bills probably in 2010 because 2014 was when they went out there Bills converted like a fourth and 20 or fourth and 16 when uh, just a, in front of Chad Greenway because he was trying to get people lined up before the snap. And then Sammy Watkins catches a touchdown over Xavier Rhodes on the last play of the game with uh, veteran quarterback Kyle Orton leading the Bills to the game. That's such a score. deep inside cut and joke. No, no one is going to get that. No one's going to get it. No one will get Nobody. it, but you did. <laughs> and that, that's fine. It's enough. Uh, you're right, though. I remember that 2014 game because it was one, one of the where games were <clears> – <throat> We're getting deep. Speaking of deep cuts, two offensive linemen got hurt on the same play in that game, and it really kind of oh, set yeah. a downward spiral for that that it team. Was, uh, was it John Sullivan and and Vlad uh, Dukas, owner of the team? <laughs> yeah, Teddy Bridgewater. Saying, That's a little bit less of a deep <laughs> Teddy cut. Teddy Bridgewater saying this is Vlad Dukas's team. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, going down memory lane with Vikings oh, Bills. It, it, there was a lot more to take away from if you're a Vikings fan to remember out of that game than the horrible 2018 game. 
uh, where Josh Allen comes into U.S. Bank Stadium and just destroys them on the day where Everson Griffin uh, was. Yeah, the day after. I don't remember if he was arrested or not. Was he arrested, actually? No. Um, he was taken into, like, a yeah. evaluation, mental evaluation. Yeah, he was – because that was the, – the day before was the first time that it kind of reports of, of incidents at the Hotel Ivy and then kind of a, a day, probably into the night, worth of, of uh, interactions with law enforcement that ended with him – uh, yeah, being taken for mental health evaluation, but that was the day before that game. And speaking of plots for this game, Harrison Phillips' revenge game. Yeah, I was, I was just googling that. I was just going to mention that. I was like, Harrison Phillips came from Buffalo, right? So there's another oh, another we're connection. Gonna get, we're going to ride hard on revenge game questions this week. Harrison Phillips spoke in the office. Some of us more than others. Yeah, keep keeping it. Keep. Keep an eye out for the, or keep an ear out for those. If for those of you who stream press conferences, let us know what you predict the tally will be. I would bet it's. I would set the over under at like seven. Uh, Harris and I would hit the over. Harrison Phillips spoke to us in the offseason about his first trip to U.S. Bank Stadium, and it was that 2018 game with Buffalo, and him saying how great of an atmosphere it was initially in the game, <laughs> 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 and how it quickly faded. He was a rookie, really good he was a rookie long, that year. It looks they, like didn't they score pretty quickly? In it, that yeah, game? Buffalo came out on him. Like I think Jerry Hughes had a strip sack on yep. Kirk yep. almost right away, and Josh Allen hurdled Anthony Barr, and it was over. Yeah, I think there were a couple of turn. I think the Vikings had a couple early turnovers, and the kind of got out of hand quick. I remember being at a like a birthday party for our, our young, our oldest. She was probably like three or four at the time. Just a friend's birthday party for her, and just thinking, ah, this will be. You know, I don't need to watch this game. I can watch it later. This is just you know, Vikings Buffalo. They're gonna roll over them. Then just like checking the scores, like, huh, they're down fourteen nothing, awfully early. This is not going well. It was seventeen nothing at the end of the first quarter, and it was twenty seven nothing at halftime. Yikes. So, was the final 27 to 6? 27 to 6 with a garbage time Kirk Cousins to Kyle Rudolph touchdown pass to avoid the shutout. They did not pick up the two point conversion. <laughs> Thanks for that. The wheel said go for two, Thanks. I guess. Thanks for that update. I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, is this like the unraveling? Of, was this an offensive line problem? Like, that was a problem a lot in that season. Did they just, could they just not? protect cousins in that yeah game? 2018 kirk's they had kirk's, trouble. kirk's intro to the team was very tumultuous with the o-line because i remember throughout that training camp he had like four different centers yep. he had he kept taking different snaps with different people throughout the course of it that led into the bradbury pick in 2019 nick um, easton got hurt too didn't he yeah i think nick easton picked up the neck injury in his last year with the team um and then they started like 90 guards um one of them was probably zach karen probably. <laughs> i'm just trying to go through the roster in my head but Anyway, Dalvin did not play in that game for some reason. The he must have been hurt. Yeah, I don't remember why. But either way, the Bills <laughs> they ran the ball six times. They thought they and threw it fifty five. They thought they could coast on the Bills. You like that, Zim? The beginning of the end of the John DeFilippo oh, era, gosh. perhaps right there. It's not great. It was not great. Anyway, the Vikings are much, much more suited to go into Buffalo against a better team uh, in the twenty twenty two Bills. The Bills were the number one scoring defense last year. They are still the number one scoring defense this year. However, they got run on at the end by the Jets, uh, gave up 77 rushing yards on a final drive that gave up a Jets go-ahead field goal inside two minutes. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to establish the run this time around. I don't know if they're going to be able to establish the pass either. This is going to be Kirk Cousins and company's toughest test, I think, uh, speaking of the Bills' defensive side of the ball, uh, probably all season since Philly, I guess, because Philly's defense has been playing really well. So we're going to learn, I think, a lot about the Vikings offense at least if we don't learn too much about the defense against Case Keenum we can go back to the 2022 game but the 2018 game I'm just looking the box score to this game is wild 
So it's got, like, every, got everything. CJ Ham caught five passes for forty-seven yards. Uh, Adam Thielen had nineteen targets. It caught 14 passes for 105. Diggs had 10 targets, caught four passes for 17 yards. Treadwell had four catches for 33. Rudolph, five for 48. Latavius Murray, five for 30. A lot of checkdowns. 14 for 105? 14 for 105 for Thielen. That's like seven yards, seven and a half yards a catch. That was the Flippo era. 55 passes, completed 40. The Dave Flippo era was five-yard catches. A short pass is as good as as a run. Yes. Yeah, because he – Mike Zimmer, did, Mike Zimmer did not agree. Line. No, he did not. Mike Zimmer did not agree that a short pass is the same as a run. They ran the ball six times for 14 yards. And then they lost to the Rams the next week, and that's kind of when things blew up. Anyway, back to 2022. Thank you. The Bills, yeah. This box score is wild, it, man. It is. But the, it's just, I, can't, can't, I can't not look at it. The 2018 game, there are, there are a lot, or season, there are a lot of a lot of wild box scores, I feel like. <laughs> yes. um, Stephen Wiley had a sack, though. Good for him. That's good. That's good. Um, anyway, we are going to learn something, I think, Ben, about this Vikings offense against Buffalo's defense on the road against Von Miller, Gregory Russo, good pass rushers, uh, good, really at all levels. The Bills defense is good. Tredavious White was activated off the pup list last week. He could make his 2022 debut for them and he's an all pro corner. So that doesn't hurt, uh, potentially. So in, in general, I do think this is going to be a great measuring stick, even if we do have to deal with the fact that we're not going to get peak Josh Allen or Josh Allen at all. Yeah, this, I think, defensively is as tough of a test as it is for the Vikings defense on the other side of the ball in some ways because this front seven does a lot of things that should give the Vikings trouble. I mean, whether it's Ed Oliver, whether it's Von Miller, uh, the corners obviously are are going to give them trouble as well. Probably try to to shut down just Justin Jefferson, especially if if Tre'Davious White is is on him. Yeah, this is uh, given the trouble they had protecting Cousins last week against a pretty good front. I think it's going to be just as difficult this week, especially with a crowd that will probably be a lot louder than the bipartisan crowd we saw at FedEx Field on Sunday. Yeah. Yes, it may it may have leaned purple. Uh, it was a yeah. I suppose you could say you know red and blue. It's yeah. bipartisan. It's a purple crowd anyway. So it's it was a purple crowd one way or the other, depending however you want to put it. But yeah, this is uh, I think as tough of a test for that group. And and frankly, they didn't run the ball very effectively last week no. either. Was Dalvin like seventeen carries for forty seven yards or something like that? Yeah, that I mean not... had a few you know at the end of the game to lose yards at the end. But yeah, they they didn't run the ball effectively all day they had four plays I think it was on first down went for more than four yards so they were in second long pretty much the entire day and when you're in that spot you're going to have a lot of third and longs too and then people are going to pin their ears back and come after you yeah and the Bills have one of the lowest blitz rates in the league like the Vikings they like to just get after them with the four-man rush and they've got it as we talk about with their personnel and Ed Ingram and Ezra Cleveland I think everybody watching the game I was certainly somebody who did this I thought this is another awful Ed Ingram game. And then watching it back, I thought Ezra Cleveland was worse. And I think the PFF numbers back it up. He gave up like nine pressures in that game yes. um, by, by himself, according to PFF. So their guard play was, it was horrendous. Um, the only saving grace, I guess, is that Garrett Bradbury has not contributed too much to that awfulness on the interior. But And didn't get hurt. Um, and then came and there's back. There was a moment in that game that we yeah. thought he was going to yeah. be out. And they had Austin Schlotman in the game. It is Schlotman, not Schlotman. Schlote. Schlote. So, Mike, 
as the offensive line expert in, in, yeah. in the room, I mean, where's your confidence level at? The resident offensive line skeptic. Uh, it's 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 a little diminished from that last game. I mean, we've seen it a few times this year where they've just had a hard time protecting Cousins. What felt different about this game, and maybe maybe there was some of this in the Philadelphia game. It's been long enough since I don't remember some of the particulars of that game, and that game kind of got out of hand quick with you know, Philly was up big at halftime. But this was the first game I can remember this year where Cousins kind of got those happy feet where it looked like he didn't trust his protection. And there's been games where he's gotten pressure, but it's felt this year more often than not in, in the games I remember watching that he has at least trusted his pressure enough to not be like looking around right away when he gets back there. He looked like in those middle quarters, at least when they were starting to get that pressure consistently, that he was kind of doing some of those 2020, 2021, even some of the 2019 tendencies where as soon as he dropped back, <clears throat> he's worried about the rush. And that's not a good place for him to live. Now they were able to get away with it. He made some big throws in the face of pressure, including that long one to Justin Jefferson, um, getting the one to Dalvin that tied the game. But that's not that's not how they that's not how they're comfortable living. That's not how he's comfortable playing. He also did bypass a couple of chances for big plays downfield for checkdowns too. And and I, I you know, you're gonna have probably a few plays every game that you say, Well, in retrospect, I should have held on to it and gone downfield. But there was some of that too in that game. I think I had a couple chances to hit Jefferson or Thielen downfield maybe one to Osborne if I'm if I'm, if I'm remembering right but yeah I mean that that stuff is going to be a big deal I, I think the other thing with this one is as as good as Christian Derisaw has been you're going to need him to kind of be on an island I think on Sunday because if, if you figure it's a lot of Von Miller on that side maybe they'll move Von Miller around but if it's a lot of him on that side you're going to have to probably have extra help for those interior guys on that Oliver so you're, I think, going to have to, to some extent, be able to tell Darisaw, we need you to win your matchup and not have a ton of extra help from the guards to do it. And, and there's like a wonky aspect to this, too. Of like We've heard how Kevin O'Connell's spoken about and Kirk have spoken about getting pressures when they're in this offense. And they talk about, you know, Kevin uses the phrase, the five eligibles, right? Well, he just means putting five targets out there for Kirk because Kirk is not going to be the guy typically – who forces a throw in there to Jefferson when he's double, triple covered, when you can only get two or three guys out on a route. So they don't seem like a team that wants to do a lot of max protection, no. like wants to add a lot of help. So what does that mean? That, that puts the onus on Kirk to get the ball out. It puts him on, it, on him to find the open guy quickly, um, not turn the ball over, not get a pass deflected at the line when you've got the, the four-man pressures in your face. And again, Buffalo is a team that likes to only send four. They like to keep guys in coverage because they believe they can get that pressure. If you can't protect with five, and you're right, you can't send that help to Christian's side because he's supposed to be the best player, yep. right? So you got to keep the three interior guys together helping each other out. And if you add any extra help, it's got to be for them. Because if, if they move Von Miller or Rousseau, or I don't know how they do it, but if they move one of those edge rushers inside, that could be a huge problem for Kirk in, in the Vikings because um, they have shown – against some of these better lines, they cannot stop that interior pressure. And to your point about the, the happy feet with Kirk, like that happened in the Philly game. He had two red zone interceptions, right? Yeah. And I think both yeah. times he was getting pressured and just kind of quickly made a decision that turned out to be very bad. And Philly's a similar team where they will blitz more, but they've got a four-man rush that can get after you like Buffalo. And so that, that's, been the, that's been Kirk's kryptonite, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, if you have a four-man rush, that, I mean, that, that is as – as much as a great quarterback is a cheat code in the modern NFL, I mean, even the great ones, 
if you have a four-man rush, I remember the, the Super Bowl that the Patriots were undefeated. The reason they lost that game, the Giants had all those guys, Justin Tuck, Umanyora, Matthias Kiwanuka, I think, um, they were able to just come in. Maybe still Strahan at that point. I, I can't remember. But uh, anyway, they had all of these guys that were able to get after Tom Brady, and they didn't have to pressure with extra guys. He got hit the entire game. If you can get pressure with four and keep seven in coverage, that is always a tough thing to deal with. And it's why people pay pass rushers because it's it's a big advantage when you can get home with four. And that's the flip side of it is what the Jets did to Buffalo last week. The Jets blitzed like 5%. I, saw, I was watching the end of it on SportsCenter or something like that. Josh Allen's never won when he's been blitzed less than 10% of the time, which means that he's you know that means you're getting enough pressure with four to keep him you know from escaping to keep him from doing all those other things like you're getting pressure on him and you're able to keep seven back so you're kryptonite for any any quarterback but especially cousins who's not mobile when i mean one too especially with kirk when you talk about him not being mobile but also that interior pressure that's just always been the thing that short-circuited him um i can think of the atlanta game in 2020 that was awful where grady jarrett just uh, got home a lot san francisco playoff game bears 2019 every every bears game Every Bears game. Um, he's somebody who can step up into a pocket comfortably. Darius coming inside in, in the 2019 game. And, Ben, you wrote about Kirk's toughness of, like, stand, he'll take a hit. He'll stand up, and he will deliver a throw. And that's to his credit. However, if there's nowhere to step up, um, it reminds me of, like, because I guess that is with any quarterback. It reminds me of how they stopped Drew Brees in the playoff game. Yeah. If you can just blow up right in his face, um, that's that's going to be tough for any quarterback, and especially one who's kind of a statue back there, even if he does have 17-yard touchdown runs against the Cardinals. Occasionally. The occasional. Occasional. The occasional. Um, All right, well, let's open up the mailbag here before we end the podcast. We've got a lot of questions on Twitter. I'll start with one that I got emailed from Rick wants to know. Uh, While it's great to see a Caleb Evans play well in relief of Cam Dantzler, uh, Rick wants to know what happened to this year's second-round pick, Andrew Booth. Why isn't he the next man up? Um, it's a good question, and one that I, I think can be answered for the fact that Booth missed not only four games in the regular season with the quad injury, missed time in training camp with an ankle injury, uh, missed time in OTAs because he was coming off a, was it a core muscle surgery yeah. in the offseason? Yeah, I believe so. Um, and coaches will put anybody who can consistently drop to the same spot or cover the same guy. And Caleb Evans has done well in his limited snaps. So I don't know if there's any more to it, Ben, from what you've heard, but to me it just seems like a kid who hasn't been on the field that Yeah, I think that's all there is to it. I mean, you need the the practice reps. You need him to have time in the defense, I think, to go out and trust him, and and he hasn't had that. So I, I think that's a lot of it. Um, I think if he continues to stay healthy, he'll probably get his chances just because guys get hurt at that position. I, I don't know that we're going to see Cameron Dantzler on Sunday. So – that may be an opportunity if you figure that means Evans probably starts, then you know maybe Booth is kind of moving up that list and ends up playing a little bit. And you know, Chris Boyd probably factors in there somewhere too. But Boyd on special teams, you you like him there too. So um, I yeah, I don't think there's much else to it. But yeah, certainly the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy has cost him an opportunity to probably be a bigger part of this defense. And we said that way back in the draft that you're going to need one of those guys, Evans or Booth, to come in and be effective because they're probably going to have to play. And Evans is getting the first chance to show that because he's been more available. And you and I talked about on Daily Delivery a couple days ago, too, just talking about Evans' big game. He's an old rookie. He's like 23 and a half. Like sometimes just the age and experience someone has, even if they are a rookie, 
complained to the factory. Like, Booth just turned 22. They're, they're almost like a year and a half, two years apart, even though they're both rookies. That could play a role, too. Like, maybe Booth just isn't quite ready yet or physically ready yet, but, but Evans is. I thought um, something – I think Thielen was asked about a Caleb Evans that stood out, um, and he had said that he's just a different guy when the game lights are on, basically. Like, we see a different guy – from practice, a little more docile, whatever. When Caleb Evans gets in there, he's he's a downhill hard hitter. Somebody who uh, levied a, a hard hit in the in the Washington game. Also had the fourth down stop in coverage on Terry McLaurin. So if you do that, you're certainly going to get the shot to start for Cameron Dantzler on Sunday, which seems like it might be the case. Um, Dantzler's dealing with that ankle injury. Nick wants to know when does the Kirko Chains album drop? I'm worried about Kirk, Kirk's chains <laughs> and not, not just, I, I think it's a great little bit. I think it's great that they're having fun with it. I just worry like how, where, where else do you go? Like he didn't have a shirt on yeah. last week. Yeah. Like what, what's, what's they, what if they win at Buffalo? What if they, what if things keep going well this year and they win a playoff game or something? What's he going to do on a plane ride home from a, from a road playoff win? This is the second podcast we gonna, this week. I've been dealing with this question. Are we going to like, are we going to be, I don't know are, that I'd like it. Do we need like are we gonna have like some blurred images at a certain point? I don't know. What what do we got coming next? Well, I think what did he say on the Manning cast? I mean he I think he basically said He said he's worried too. That it can't that the the natural next step is maybe you're wearing only the chains. And I I I don't think he wants to go there. So I can't imagine it will, but they're you know he he kind of talked about that too. Like at some point here, we we gotta figure out the yeah, find the sweet the find the, find the limit. To, yes, content moderation is a hot topic across social media platforms. This is why it's important, and this yeah. is why we nobody needs to see that. No, so if that ever no, makes it its way onto Instagram, it needs to be flagged and taken down. I don't think I don't the, think it was funny happen. too the all the, the the chains video from this last week like I just was reading like you know I'd never read the comments but read the comments on the Twitter and it's like half of them are just like loving it and half of them are like cringe total cringe like Kirk what are you doing so I, I don't know I some of it don't you think he is kind of in on the joke yeah, 100% yeah. of course yeah and I, I wanted to yeah ask you but I don't think people get that part of it yeah. some people feel like oh Kirk's being made fun of doesn't he get he's being made fun of yeah no he does yeah, yeah I mean I think didn't like I I can't I saw somebody saying it's like when you dress up your dog for Halloween like he gets it I mean like if he didn't he's probably not keeping the blue blockers on and coming out and telling people those were blue blockers like he gets it he he knows he's a bit of a dork yeah. so, I, so I heard something funny somebody tweeted somebody it. tweeted that Adam Schefter looked like how I thought Kirk Cousins looked like with the shirt off yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, People don't understand that no matter how unathletic, quote unquote, you are as a quarterback, you still got to be in shape, unless yeah, you're Ben yeah. Roethlisberger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> didn't that come up on? Uh, didn't Pat McAfee ask him about that about his his eight pack? I think so. I mean, he he did Pat McAfee the day after the game. He did Manning Cast the day after the game, knowing those things are going to come up. If you're not willing to laugh at yourself with the whole thing, you're probably not doing those two shows, knowing that you're not going to get a ton of. I mean, the, the Manning cast thing was Kirk tried to turn it to football stuff and say, hey, what's your answer for cover zero? They just wanted to talk about the chains. Yeah. So, like, you have to know that that's what you're going to get asked. I think he did. I think he's just having fun with and it. And it's like brand new Kirk. Like, he spent four, the last four years just getting dumped on in every yeah. way possible, yes. whether it was COVID, whether it was you're making too much money, whether it's Mike Zimmer and their Maybe crummy relationship. Maybe you should get off the podcast. Maybe you should get off the podcast. Now, all of a sudden... He's 7-1. He's not playing his best football by any stretch, but he's having fun. And I think he's also like, 
there's like 25% of him that's just kind of like, I'm going to roll with this because this is fun. And the other 75% is, I get that I'm in on the joke, and that's okay, too. Yeah, yeah. If you're, laugh, if you're willing to laugh at yourself, I mean, I feel like I tell my kids this a lot. The ability to laugh at yourself is a good skill to have in life. And I think he's kind of doing that right now. Adam Thielen said on Monday that, that that thing, Kirk doing that, shows that we can be ourselves on this team. And obviously the undercurrent of that is that they couldn't before necessarily. Um, but somebody commented too about how like, well, is that Kirk being himself? How is that Kirk being? It's him being a dork. It is being himself. Like it's, it's him being, like you said, being laughed at, being, you know, the butt of the joke sometimes and being comfortable with that. I think he's understands his role on the team in that, in that aspect. Well, and even like Dalvin last week was saying, like someone asked, uh, I think Suhan asked Dalvin about Kirk. Cause he was writing about Kirk. And he's like, you know, even Dalvin like says like, you know, Kirk behind the scenes is a different guy. He's like funny. Like, the teammates probably see a different version of Kirk than we see, yeah. and now we're seeing it more because he's able to express it a little bit more. And I think Kirk felt, I don't know, Ben, you would know this better than I, but he felt maybe under Mike Zimmer that he had to be more of this take-charge leader. You know, Not to say he isn't yeah. a leader yeah. on this team, but he can lead in a different way. I think he felt like he needed to lead within the parameters that Mike Zimmer set up, which were different than the parameters Kevin O'Connell has set up. I think Kevin O'Connell has said, Hey, we trust you. I mean, the number of times where you hear Kevin O'Connell say, "This is our leader." I mean, in, in those post-game press or uh, not press conferences, post-game speeches he gives in the locker room that the Vikings post, he said a number of times, "Like we go as Kirk goes. This is our leader." You did not hear Mike Zimmer talking about Kirk Cousins in that fashion, and I think that, I mean, you know, I I get that the difference between O'Connell and Zimmer has been well established and we're not trying to beat that dead horse but there it keeps coming up because I do think there is a difference in the way that Cousins is responding and I think the way that he relates to a coach does affect how he goes about his job so yes I think all of that stuff has continued to show up and it has made a difference in the way he's kind of going about his business. Ben from Minnesota, different Ben, not our Ben, wants to know. Looking also ahead, also from Minnesota, though. looking ahead, what's the Vikings' record after we play Buffalo, possibly with Case Keenum as well as Dallas, New England, and the Jets? So the next four games. I thought you were saying after after, after they play Buffalo, it's like well, it's either eight and one, seven two, or seven one and one. Thanks, Ben from Minnesota. Um, other Ben from Minnesota, Mike wants to know what is their record through the next four games. What do you think? I think they'd feel okay if they got through this at two and two, right? Because even even. Even Buffalo with if Case Keenan plays, is Buffalo still a tough game? Like this is one that you for whatever length of time this year, even as they've won games, you probably would say this is a loss. Um, and so uh becomes more winnable now, of course, if Keenan plays, but certainly a a tough game. Um Dallas and New England, I think those are both challenging games in their own ways, just because Dallas is a good team. Um New England I don't think is a good team or, or certainly not a great team this year, but that's a short week. I believe against Belichick, so that's not uh, that's not a lot of fun. He he's going to find a way to exploit your weaknesses, and the Jets are a lot better than they have been. So, and that's a road game, I'm assuming. So, you get Jets are here. I'm sorry, Jets are here. So if you get through that at if you get through those four games at two and two, I think you feel fine, especially with the equity they've built up in the division. Yeah, and you're nine and three. I mean, you if you get through that stretch with two wins, you're probably closing in on clinching I mean, there there is a scenario yes. where they can clinch thanksgiving night i don't think that's going to happen but clinching early december or clinching maybe december 11th in detroit those are reasonable 
scenarios. Yeah. And with only one bye to play for this year, I mean, they could yeah. they could clinch and be three games behind Philadelphia and just be in a position where they could be kind of particular about who they're playing down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, that the dangerous thing with that is always how much do you take your foot off the gas and not be sharp going into the first round of the playoffs. But, yeah, you, you wouldn't have to kind of grind it out with guys. Well, he's hurt, but this is a big game. We kind of have to have it, so yeah, we have to put him in there. This is from CBS researcher Doug Clawson. The Vikings are the fifth team since 1970 with a four-and-a-half game division lead through week nine, the first one since 2011. The 49ers had a five-game lead. The 07 Patriot juggernaut also had a four-and-a-half game lead. 90 49ers and the 73 Vikings. All four previous teams won their divisions by at least five games, and they all made the conference title game. So the expectations are set. I mean, Super Bowl yeah. or bust. At least conference title game or bust. Just as, just as the way you thought it was at the beginning of the season when I picked them to go 7 and 10, they'd have to go 0 oh and 9 the rest of the Why way. Why did we make a taco bet? Oh, we really should have. We, blew, we, we, we were, had that thing locked up by speaking now. Speaking for myself, I was shook yeah. from last year because I still owe a taco. You did. Do we you want do. to make one now? I don't want to make one You're now. Not taking For those what? Terms? For what? Come on, Tanner's going to come back. They're going to beat Northwestern on Saturday. They're going to go get the pig. Like I, if I, if I'm you, I, give, me, double you give me like Gophers plus three, and then maybe I'll get in on it. Gophers plus three. Okay, we, we'll talk off air. Wait, we, we man, we blew it. This was your year. This was like a coast to the Taco Bet. Should have been. Blown up to keep the bowl game. We had we had the 2019 thing where they didn't yep. play the starters last week of the season. Yep, that was great. <sighs> Blown opportunities. We'll see if the Vikings can seize their opportunity against the Josh Allen potentially less Bulls or Bills. Bulls. 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 Yeah, Bills. Bills. Yeah, Buffalo Bills. Bills. I mixed Buffalo and Bills together. I think the, the Buffalo Bulls might. Is that the minor? Is that the Mets minor league affiliate? I had no idea that the Buffalo Bills were named after Buffalo Bill. It's yeah. not actually supposed well, to Buffalo be a Buffalo Bill Cody. I did. I knew that. They just dumb. Buffalo Bill Cody was also not in Buffalo, New York. Well, uh, yeah. Buffalo Bulls are the MAC team. Yes. So getting getting in on some MAC. Mets to the Bison, maybe. Not really MACTION. <laughs> we're off the rails. Thank you for listening. Please check out StarTribune.com. We'll talk to you next time Sunday from Buffalo.